Welcome to episode one of a brand new series I've decided to call Mystical Jesus. These videos are going to be exploring the deep mystical nature of Christ's teachings, not only in the Gospels, but in some of the Gnostic Gospels as well. And my aim here is simply to demonstrate the profound non-dual wisdom of Christ's teachings that, for the most part, has gone completely overlooked throughout human history. Now, as many of you know, I grew up as a Christian and as a pastor's son, so I've had a lifelong love and devotion to Christ. And in fact, when people sometimes ask me who my guru is, my answer is always Jesus Christ. So, in this series, I hope to share with you the mystical Jesus as I know him and experience him. Christ has always been the lens through which I see and experience God. But ironically, it wasn't actually until leaving Christianity that Christ's teachings and Christ himself truly came alive to me for the first time. I believe that we've done Christ a great travesty by contaminating his message with religious dogma. Religion has diluted the wisdom and teachings of Christ so completely that the entire philosophy of Christianity is based on ideas that never even came out of Christ's own mouth. So it's my aim in this series to divorce Christ's original teachings from the dogma of Christianity so that we can really explore the profound depth of his non-dual wisdom and mastery. And I figure that there's probably no better place to start than with his most famous proclamation of all. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. This passage will serve as the foundation to all other teachings in this series. So let's take a closer look at who this man, Jesus, really was so that we can hopefully understand his message in a brand new light. In order to understand the true teachings of Christ, we have to understand the historical Jesus himself. And the first thing we need to know about Jesus is that Jesus was not an Orthodox Jew. Jesus was quite clearly and obviously a first century Jewish mystic. Mystics are those who search for God inwardly through meditation, contemplation, and service to others rather than seeking God through religious rules and rituals. Jewish mystics often lived or spent most of their time outside of the major cities and religious institutions for the purpose of seeking God in silence. This is evidenced by the passages such as Luke 5.16, which says, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Orthodox Jews would not go to the wilderness to pray, but to synagogues and temples. Another piece of evidence is the fact that the most prominent Jewish mystic of his day, John the Baptist, was someone that Jesus highly regarded and even saw as a teacher. Religious Jews despised John the Baptist and often sought to kill him. So an Orthodox Jew would never have taken a man like John the Baptist to be their teacher. Jesus actually requested John to baptize him, although John insisted it should be the reverse. In Matthew 11.11, Jesus makes a stunning claim of John the Baptist, saying, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Another sign that Jesus was a Jewish mystic 
is the fact that he was a healer and a miracle worker. Different forms of energy work and physical healing go back thousands of years in the Jewish mystical tradition and are even described in the Kabbalah as well. An Orthodox Jew would never attempt to perform such a blasphemous act of healing the sick, as it was their belief that God alone decides the sickness and health of everyone, according to each person's individual and familial sins. He also possessed abilities like clairvoyance, as he routinely stunned people by his ability to know their past and personal life. But most of all, it was his state of God-realization that is the most notable sign of his mysticism, as all the other Jewish leaders routinely sought to have him killed for his claims of oneness with the Father. All of these signs make it clear both to historians and biblical scholars that the man known as Jesus was not a suffering savior who came to die for the sins of mankind, but a God-intoxicated Jewish mystic from a little town called Nazareth. So the word Christ was not Jesus's last name, but was a term given to him by his followers, which literally means anointed one. Now, throughout the Gospels, we can see that there was clearly a power and a presence that emanated from this man, Jesus, that caused crowds of thousands of people to follow him everywhere that he went. So in order to really understand the mystical nature of Christ's teachings, we first need to understand the state of consciousness that this man, Jesus, was in himself. And this is where most of the confusion from Western religion occurs. This is the most important thing to know about Christ if you want to understand anything that he taught. Jesus was a fully realized being, which means he had no egoic identity. And this is why Christianity has such a hard time understanding anything Jesus says, and why so many fundamentalist doctrines get attributed to Jesus that Jesus himself never breathed a word of. And to be fair, this is sort of what you would expect to happen. The ego cannot understand oneness. It's sort of like expecting a blind person to understand what color is. It simply cannot be done. All the ego can do is filter his teachings through the lens of duality. So because the religious mind is only capable of filtering everything Jesus says through the lens of ego, they project that onto Christ and assume that Christ was speaking as an ego. So we end up getting this strange, bizarre message that Jesus came to be murdered on our behalf, which Jesus himself never so much as hinted at. Jesus never once, in any passage in the Gospels, claimed that he was a savior to be worshipped, asked someone to confess him as Lord, or even hinted at the idea that he was going to die for people's sins. And if that was the whole entire point of him coming, you think he would have maybe mentioned it like one time? <laughs> so what was really happening was that God was in Christ, like a hand inside of a puppet. And while the world assumed that the puppet was speaking on its own behalf, Christ was able to recognize this perception of others and say things like, I do not speak of my own accord, but I only do what I see the Father doing and I only say what I hear the Father saying. Religion holds an exclusively dualistic view of God, which is the idea that we are separate entities from the Creator. 
And Jesus, on the other hand, had a oneness experience of God. And he spoke from that experience. I and the Father are one. So although Jesus was clearly a self-realized master, he only had the language of first century Judaism to express his own state. He didn't have the more complex non-dual philosophies of the Hindu or Buddhist traditions, or he could have probably explained his own state of consciousness in greater depth. The best language that Jesus could find to express his own state were through these phrases like, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Now, even to refer to God as Father was a very progressive and sort of dangerous thing to do. Because back in those days, your last name was basically your father's name. So to claim someone as your father is to claim equality with them. Now, in the Hindu tradition, for example, they refer to God as the self, which automatically puts it more into a framework of oneness and unity. But to a culture of people who sort of view God as a monarchical boss in the sky, who's consciously rotating the planets around the sun, to claim yourself as being one with God was sort of the ultimate absurdity and blasphemy available to anyone in that day. So this is really the take-home point for today's video. As inspiring and even worshipful as the person of Jesus was, it was not what inspired Jesus himself. Jesus became everything that he was because he knew I and the Father are one, and not because he accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> so if we want to truly know Christ, then we must know the state that he was in, which we could call oneness consciousness. But in recent decades, we've come to refer to it as Christ consciousness. When Jesus was asked what was required to be his disciple, he would say, If any man wants to be my disciple, let him first deny himself or die to himself. Now, obviously, he wasn't talking about literally killing yourself because then you couldn't be his disciple. <laughs> Jesus was referring to the elimination of the ego or the sense of being separate from God. So the question is, why would Jesus have commanded his disciples to do something that Jesus himself hadn't done? Obviously, he wouldn't. So when we read any statement from Christ in the Gospels, we have to read it with the understanding that he was not speaking as an ego or a person. He wasn't saying what religion thinks he was saying, which is, I, the human person named Jesus, am the way. So give me some verbal lip service and I won't barbecue you forever. He was speaking not only from oneness consciousness, but he was speaking as oneness itself. The I that Jesus referred to was not a personal egoic I, but the universal I, or I am. So if we replace the words I with oneness, the passage reads, Oneness is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by oneness. So the I that Jesus was referring to as the only begotten Son of God is consciousness. 
And this is one of the defining teachings of A Course in Miracles as well. Consciousness itself is the Christ, the pure, undiluted light of God that comes into manifestation that God might know himself. And each and every one of us is that Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And so Jesus, the man, having completely emptied himself of ego, was not speaking of a state that was exclusive to him alone, but he was speaking as that state. So Christ's message was not one of exclusivity as religion teaches, but of inclusivity. As Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, I pray, Father, that they may all be one, just as you and I are one. To be one is to realize you are one. Nobody becomes one with God or achieves oneness with God. You simply recognize it as Jesus recognized it. It is already the case. Jesus, the man, became Christ the consciousness so that the words that we hear were not spoken on behalf of a person, but on behalf of the Father who spoke through him. Jesus became a transmitting conduit for God without any personal distortions so that he could say, I am not myself the source of the words I speak, but it is the Father who dwells within me doing his own work. It is this I that opens the phrase, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is the supreme I speaking through the mouth of Jesus. And anyone who realizes themselves to be this supreme eternal I can say along with Christ, I and the Father are one. Jesus was always pointing his followers inwards to find God, to the truth of their own inherent oneness, the only place where union with God can ever be found. So Jesus, the man, was not speaking these words but the Father indwelling within him. Jesus was the man, but Christ is the consciousness, the way, the truth, and the life.